Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 9 and we're reviewing Trigun. As always, there are spoilers throughout the episode, so you've been warned. I think we should clarify that this is Trigun Part 1. Yeah. Part 1, episodes 1 through 12, 13? 13, even though... 13 is kind of a recap. Yeah, so we thought that would be a good stopping point. So we wanted to split this up into two parts because I watched Trigun when it aired on Adult Swim. um, And I've seen it once since then, but it's been well over five years probably since I've seen it last. And Carl has never seen it, so I wanted to introduce the show to him um, while at the same time having my own rewatch. Uh, so we figured it'd be best to talk about the show in parts, so we broke it up into part one, which is the first season up to the recap episode, and then we'll have a part two, which will take us through to the conclusion of the show. Yeah, I think we should also mention that we did break one of our rules for the podcast, which is that we watch this with the dub. It is dubbed. <laughs> and again, it's because I started watching it, or I watched the whole thing only dub again back on Adult Swim, so it's just what I'm most familiar with. And there's something about dubs from from that era of anime. So, like, Cowboy Bebop is a fantastic dub. So we we Mm -hmm. certainly have watched that um, in dub. What other anime is really good in dub? Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, like Pokemon (laughs) and DBZ and and Sailor Moon and all that. It's just the stuff that we grew up with. Mm. The stuff that... that, These are the types of anime, anime, at least for me, that were the gateway anime. Um, but at the time, before streaming was available, all you had was, was dub. So it's more, at least for me, a, 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 familiar, a, a level of familiarity. Um, and who doesn't love listening to John Young Bosch as Fash the Stampede? He does a good job. Yeah. Obviously, he's one of the great voice actors in anime. So I feel like it's always a treat to hearing him. And also the other cast, they they do their job pretty well in the series. Yeah. Other than that, usually we watch sub. So I was going to start us off with kind of like a general overview of the show up to this point, and then do some quick summaries of each of the first 13 episodes that we watched, um, just to kind of jog our memory of what has been going on up until um, the recap episode. So I pulled this quick summary from Wikipedia. Um, Trigun revolves around a man known as Vash the Stampede and two Bernardelli Insurance Society employees, Meryl Strife and Millie Thompson, who follow him around in order to minimize the damages inevitably caused by his appearance. Most of the damage attributed to Vash is actually caused by bounty hunters in pursuit of the $60 billion double-dollar bounty on Vash's head for the destruction of the city of July. However, he cannot remember the incident due to retrograde amnesia, being able to recall only fragments of the destroyed city and memories of his childhood. Throughout his travels, Vash tries to save lives using non-lethal force. He is occasionally joined by a priest, Nicholas D. Wolfwood, who, like Vash, is a superb gunfighter with a mysterious past. And again, just to kind of do a recap of each episode, episode one was titled The 60 Billion Double Dollar Man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in which bounty hunters in Felnarl are confused about who Vash the Stampede is 
and features the bounty hunter Luce Ruth. Episode 2, Truth of Mistake. Cliff Caesar, who is monopolizing a town's water supply, hires Vash as a bodyguard to protect Marianne, granddaughter of an entrepreneur. Marianne turns out to be a double agent, hoping to take down Caesar for his misdeeds. Episode 3, Peacemaker. Vash meets Frank Marlin, a famous gunsmith turned drunkard after a family tragedy. A group of bandits come to terrorize his town until the people rally behind Vash and Frank. Episode 4, Love and Peace. Saloon Ransom. In this episode with Stephanie Bostock. Bostock? I forgot how they pronounced it. Yeah. But she's the daughter of the town mayor, Earl Grim Reaper Bostock, who, along with the town sheriff, have killed off many of the original townspeople. The hostage taker, Ingwe, uh, tries to stop them. Episode 5, Hard Puncher in April City wants Vash's bounty to save their dying plant, and they hire Professor and Gosef Nebraska. And I noted here that Vash fires his first bullet in this episode in a very dramatically animated scene. Episode 6, Lost July. The Inepril townspeople turn in the Nebraska family for the $700,000 double dollar bounty. Um, we are introduced to Elizabeth and the arrival of the Sand Steamer. And in this episode, Elizabeth tries to kill Vash out of revenge for the, for the destruction of the city of July. Episode 7... BDN, or Brilliant Dynamite Neon. Um, we see Vash escaping on the sand steamer, which is taken over by the Bad, Land, Bad Lad Gang, led by Brilliant Dynamite Neon, with the help of a stowaway named Kite. And I noted here that Vash dreams of someone called Rem in this episode. Episode 8, And Between the Wasteland and Sky, the Bad Lad Gang, the Bad Lad Gang tries to crash the steamer into a canyon to get valuables that are stored in its vault. Vash and Kite, who is the son of the Stan Steamer's designer, foil their plans and Vash has a gun duel with BDN. BDN saves the steamer out of respect for Vash, but vows to kill Vash one day. Episode 9, Murder Machine, we are introduced to the priest, Nicholas D. Wolfwood, who left his church to raise funds for an orphanage. In this episode, we see Vash and Wolfwood team up together to take down some armored droids. Episode 10, Quick Draw. Vash and Wolfwood enter a quick draw contest in May City to help a woman who is deeply in debt. And I noted here that there is a mysterious character who arrives to influence the contest and hit Vash and Wolfwood against each other at the end. Episode 11, Escape from Pain. The gang runs into a young female dancer, Moore, and help her escape from some hunters. Moore and Julius, who is the son of the caravan company's owner, are running away together after they discover a human trafficking scandal on the caravan. Vash's ambiguous morality is at play in this episode, and we're not sure of his true intentions until the very end. Episode 12, Diablo, sees Legado Blue Summers, who tells Vash that he is going to die soon. Vash is wrongfully arrested for killing the town shoemaker, and Mona of the Gale comes to try and take Vash's life. Vash decides otherwise, and he has a weird arm rifle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last episode Wait, before you move to the last episode I do want to comment that Moan of the Gale Looks like someone pulled him straight Out of an X-Men episode mm -hmm. And just plopped him into this anime Like he is animated so weird Like his, his whole look is, is weird But then he's also It looks like he's animated different Than the rest of the characters I swear, it's like you just someone spliced him right out of an X Men episode Which and I just think, stuck yeah. him in there. Yeah, and X Men came out like in the late '90s, so it's almost like they just took 
those animation cells and transferred it over. Yeah. Um, and the last episode, which is the recap, Vash the Stampede. Uh, is it Meryl? Millie and Meryl. Yeah, Millie and Meryl. Meryl writes a report, which I noted is the July 20th report because July 20th is my birthday. Wow. <laughs> so big coincidence there. Um, so Meryl's writing a report just recapping the events of what has happened since they've encountered Vash. And then they have a short conversation with Vash where we see his battle scars, some of which I think look pretty robotic. And he tells them that he is trying to put his past to rest. And there you have it. That's the first half of Trigun. Um, so thoughts. I want you to start. Now that you're halfway through the show, you, you really didn't know too much going into it other than the, the few times our friends have, have shown you the, the amazing opening. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I really did not know what to expect um, with the anime. Because yeah, when I saw the opening with friends who were showing it to me on YouTube like I couldn't really tell like the plot from that opening um and even watching the very first episode uh I feel like not only in the first episode but I think the whole series so far it's kind of and I hate using this word but it kind of subverts expectations in that people aren't necessarily sure how to view Vash the Stampede throughout this whole first part of the first part of the series um and like people as in the characters in the show or the audience watching I think both like me as an audience member and seeing the him interact with the different people that he meets um in his journeys See, I've, I feel slightly different, so just wanted to, to share this. I, I feel like, having especially watching it um, after so long, I think it's pretty clear to the audience from the get-go the type of person he is. Um, but to your earlier point, it's just not what you expect. Like, you, you watch that opening, you hear about the show, and, you know, he, he's he's got a huge bounty on his head. He's an ace gunman, but he is absolutely, like, from the, the moment he's introduced in the show, he's absolutely not that way. Um, but it is fun to kind of see the, the mystery unfold and, and for these people to, to re- these people, these characters to realize that what they've heard about him is probably the complete opposite of how he actually is. Yeah, and one other thing that I wanted to comment about the opening, and I think we talked about this before, is like, you know, the opening looks like a typical um, anime opening that's meant to be very eye-catching and just like you're bombarded with all of these fantastic action set pieces and you have this really great soundtrack that's being played um throughout the montage oh my god that opening song is like it's iconic every time i hear it i get really hype yeah (laughs) this is a weird thing but i just like when i think it's like the bongos come in towards the middle when you see the trigon i don't know there's something about just hearing those bongos that it's like man that i like what do they call it when when a when the visuals are edited exactly to the, the certain beats of the song. Like they're in sync. Yeah, something like that. Like like the those moments where like when the guitar is hitting like really hard, that's the moment that Vash actually fires a shot. Um, mm-hmm. Or when he, um, I don't know, just like, the different things that you see visually are so well synced with 
um, with the opening song, which is just, it's just music. Like, there's no other, there's no lyrics for when the guy says, oh. Um, <laughs> oh! Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it makes it even more satisfying knowing that, like, there's nothing to really listen to in terms of, like, actual vocal vocals. It's all about feeling the music and seeing it so well in sync with, with the opening. I just, I love the opening. I, I could go on and on about it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I was saying, it's just a very, very flashy opening, and he does the fucking anime glasses thing i think here we <laughs> with the middle finger yeah too. he pushes them up and you know like you you would think like oh this is just gonna be like a really epic show which it is um in a certain right but i remember watching the very first episode and the the scene opens up with them in a saloon and then you see what what I like you assume to be is Vashon Stampede and some bounty hunters come into the saloon or, or bar or whatever and, and then they shoot up the place and like you think oh maybe Vashon Stampede since he's supposed to be this legendary outlaw like he took out all these bounty hunters in one go but then you find out later that it's really just he's just like this incompetent fool <laughs> um, who doesn't really know what he's doing and just like the juxtaposition between again the opening, uh, and then what you actually see um, in the series, like it, it again it subverts your expectations, but again it, it takes you for a, a pretty fun ride after that. I feel like that's what um, lended to its popularity at the time. The fact that you're, you're absolutely right. Like again the what you would expect of an ace gunman someone with a huge bounty on his head is not at all what Vash is like he's he's not only a, a, a silly goofy type of person he's like over the top silly goofy mm. like they could have made him like maybe just really funny with some good quips here or there and a couple of like funny facial expressions but it's like every time he's on screen he's almost not drawn in a normal way like most characters yeah they'll have their one moment where they have some like over the top facial reaction but his face is constantly in this cartoonish mode his movements are constantly cartoonish um to really just push how much he is not like the stories around him um and and again yeah you're right like it's i I can remember when i first watched it too i was expecting one thing with that opening and then i was like what the hell is going on in this show one thing i do want to mention though i I think the first couple episodes are pretty slow um Mm -hmm. they do a great job of setting up who Vash actually is from the get-go, but as far as moving the story along and making you feel kind of gripped, um, they, they, they are a bit slow. I would say it wasn't until the Nebraska Family episode, um, was that episode four or five like that, something like that? Um, I would say it wasn't until that point that the show really started to kind of grab you and draw you in. I, I remember seeing your face after the first two episodes and I could tell you're kind of like, what the hell is going on in the show? Mm-hmm. It is pretty ambiguous in those first couple of episodes what, what's all kind of playing out here in the plot. Yeah, and just to kind of further comment on that, the series does start, um, there's a Latin term in media's res, which means like in the middle of a story. Um, almost similar to like how the whole Star Wars saga started like you technically started in episode four but like there's this whole backstory that isn't explained until you continue watching like the movies and the same same case here with trigun you don't really know a lot about vash other than that he has this 60 billion double dollar bounty on his head 
Um, and it's again, it's a slow burn in the beginning with a lot of these one-off episodes about his misadventures with Millie and Merrill, and then eventually you see Wolfwood come in. Um, but I really appreciate that because even though at the get-go you're like, what the hell is going on? It, the story does a good job of world building and you eventually get to see more of Vash's backstory and then and even at this halfway point you still know almost nothing about him right like you get little glimpses but they're just these single puzzle pieces and, and the majority of, of the rest of that puzzle is it's still missing from the plot right um and again it's the way that it's structured is like it's such an interesting character study of Vash because it, me as an audience member and watching this for the first time, I don't really know what to expect of him. Again, because I viewed him as, you know, like the typical outlaw type protagonist. But like you said before, his mannerisms are just strange. Even his speaking voice, like I wouldn't expect. Like I know John Young Bosch has a very distinct voice, but you would expect for an outlaw to almost sound like, uh, what's his name? Like John Marston in Red Dead or... Uh, Arthur Morgan and read that too. Like ex you'd expect that kind of voice to come out of this outlaw who has a huge bounty on his head. But um, yeah, that's one thing to point out about again, kind of flipping the tropes when it comes to outlaw types um, with this anime. Um, and there are other instances where again he's doing stuff you wouldn't expect from this type of this type of character who's supposed to be a, again like this this huge assassin or outlaw. Um, he's very incompetent in the first couple episodes, not very street smart. Um, There's the episode where he kind of walks into that hostage situation and has no idea. Oh, right, because he's wearing the headphones. Yeah, and I think he's like, yeah, he's he has the headphones in and he's like chewing gum and has no, again, like very unaware of his surroundings. Um, he's not a lady killer. Like, he's not a very good ladies' man. He, he's a big flirt. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's he's not good with women. And I do want to comment on that. I find it very interesting. So we see him flirt with women throughout this first half of the um, the season or the series. And there's that one episode where I think it's after the Nebraska family fight. The town celebrates. And um, everyone's drunk. And I think some of the, the guys from the town had basically ordered him some hookers. Um, but the hookers leave and say, oh, well, he fell asleep from being too drunk. And so you mm -hmm. see him on the bed, and he's got, like, a goofy smile on his face and kisses all over his face, and he looks like he has passed out drunk. But as soon as they're they're gone, um, the two hookers, he wakes up, and it's clear that he was just pretending. Um, and that he, he really, I guess, even though he's a flirt, he, he probably has a certain level of respect where he's like, okay, I'm not going to go and do that. Um, you know, maybe he's the type who just wants companionship, but doesn't really want that kind of thing. So I thought that was very interesting. I think that that added to his um, his morals and his, his gentlemanly qualities, although he really doesn't, on the surface, have many. Yeah. Um, other things I wanted to comment on, again, besides his the way he deals with ladies, is he prefers non-lethal force when he's facing any enemies, which we see, like, he has a breaking point in, I think it's episode 12, uh, Diablo, where you really see his true colors. Um, and to, I guess we'll kind of comment on that later. Um, and there's just this whole ambiguity of whether or not 
this is the real Vash, the Stampede. Because um, in the first episode, you see all the bounty hunters kind of get confused over who is actually the real Vash, because you have the big guy who looks like Bebop from, I think, the Ninja Turtles series. <laughs> um, and then there's a later episode where someone claims to be Vash. And I wrote a note here that it's weird that the guy who claims to be Vash... Um, I think this is in the episode with the, the gunsmith turned drunk. Um, the guy who claims to be Vash in this episode looks almost like a caricature of Spike Spiegel. Yeah, I can see that. Which, I know, like, I think these series both came out around the same time. And I don't know if that was intentional. Um, but again, like, you're left questioning in the first couple episodes, like, is this really Vash or is this just someone who just resembles the actual person? But what I think is very interesting about Vash's story is that it's very similar to Jason Bourne, like the Bourne films, like Bourne Identity, Supremacy, Ultimatum, where he has amnesia and he doesn't necessarily remember a lot of his past and only remember certain bits and pieces. Um, And so that makes a very interesting case for him because, again, we we don't know exactly what he did in his past besides when that character Elizabeth mentioned that he um, destroyed that city. Um, So I don't know. It seems like he's trying to atone for his sins, although he doesn't seem to know what his sins are in the past. Um, So there's a lot of moral gray areas where, again, I think as an audience member, you're rooting for Vash because you want him to... um, to be like the everyman, the everyday hero for the different townsfolk that he runs into. But there's that underlying backstory that you don't really know. It's like, is Vash really a dangerous man and should we be rooting for him? Yeah. I I, um, I find his story very similar to Geralt's story in The Witcher. Um, we, we see somebody who's very misunderstood, who whose identity is defined by the rumors and the stories that other people have created about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet a lot of his actions are pretty righteous. Not everything, but um, they're, they're pretty righteous and he, he does have good intentions overall. And you see some people start to realize that, like the bard, I don't remember what his name is, um, and so it's very similar with Vash is where he, he starts to win over, you know, person by person, family by family, town by town. Um, and so as the series continues, we'll see if it eventually has that domino effect where his reputation starts to, to improve based on his, uh, his whole life mission of, of doing good and not killing. Yeah, that's another thing for his motto to be the world is made of love and peace even though he's assuming, I'm assuming he's like a trained assassin. Love Uh, and peace. Love and peace. Which is weird because the way he does it is love is like the peace sign and then peace is the intertwined. I think his fingers are always intertwined. He just like pushes them out, I think. I can't can't remember. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he has his fingers intertwined for his his love and peace motto. Yeah, but yeah, that's the other thing like why would an outlaw make their motto something related to love and peace? It's like if Al Capone 
said one day like oh i want world peace for everybody (laughs) but i want to say a couple of things about the recap episode episode 13 um i fucking hate recap episodes i i get their point less so now that we're in an era of on-demand streaming but back in the day you know when when all you could do is watch it on tv whenever it aired live and had commercials and you had to watch whatever episode was on that day I get the point of them um, to, you know, help you remember what happened in the first half of the, the series before we move into the latter half, but I just feel like it's such a waste of, of an opportunity, an, an episode to deliver some really great content for that particular show. Um, however, re-watching this recap episode, I thought they did a really good job. I thought that there was a good balance of the recap, but the recap piece is told in a way that was still it still offered something to the show because mm-hmm. you see Meryl kind of struggle with her understanding of Vash. Like it's very clear that she knows who he is deep down inside or, or maybe she does anyway. Cause you know, as you mentioned earlier, the last episode kind of puts her back in that, that gray space. Um, but this episode we see her warm up to him more than we have before. Um, as she's really forced to sit and think about who she believes him to be. Um, and she comes to terms sort of with her, her surprise about his personality and that he has a lot of good potential in him. Um, and I think that, so what's interesting is I don't remember the outcome between Meryl and, and Vash. Um, I know I shipped the shit out of them. And I think that that's what the show is hinting at in the, the, the later, later episodes in the first part. Um, especially this episode she's kind of you know really reflecting on who he is and her thoughts and feelings about him um but uh it's just interesting to see them craft this relationship a little bit more through the recaps i thought that was very well done Mm -hmm. and it made it much more enjoyable than other recap episodes that i've seen in other series and i i also like that at the end they offered us something really major towards the story and towards Vash's um, uh, backstory by showing us his scars and, and showing us mm-hmm. them in a way that's him very vulnerable, right? Like he clearly just stepped out of the shower, um, maybe fell or something. And so the, the Millie and Meryl are concerned about him and run over to see him. And he's very shy about it. And he even admits like, I don't like having girls see my scars because it can be very, very jarring. Um, so I, I, I like that Meryl wasn't, scared by his scars um and recognize that you know as she said this is the price you pay for choosing not to kill your opponents um mm-hmm. so I, I like that she acknowledges that and tells him that because i think that will help him understand who she is as a person because she really hasn't opened up to him um neither has, has millie really so I, I thought that that whole scar incident that whole backstory building was was a great way to end the episode it made it feel like it was worth watching because again you got a better understanding of meryl kind of how she feels about her i guess relationship with vash although they don't really interact too much at this point and then we get a, a big um a big reveal of, of really the weight that the vash is carrying yeah one other thing that i liked about the recap is again just as we as audience members are struggling with how to perceive Vash, Meryl kind of juxtaposes this with two images of Vash. There's the one where he has like a tie wrapped around his head and it looks like super drunk um, from when he was hanging out with a gunsmith in the earlier episode. And then you, I think you see a shot of 
Vash in like his Diablo form. I don't know if there's a proper term for it. Um, oh yeah, when he's when he's got the gun pointed at Mona of the Gale. Yeah, and you know I think I don't know if it's it might be a different image, but the shot of him like with his glasses and they're like glaring yellow. Again, like you see the terrifying side of him, and you hear Meryl question like who is the real Vash because there are, again so many sides to who he is, but you you can't get the truth out of him just yet. Which I think hopefully. Again, me being first time watcher of this series, I hope like this pays off in the end, um, where you do see Vash kind of redeeming himself while at the same time um, atoning for the sins that he's or the sins that he committed in the past. Yeah, again, it's it's so interesting that we're already halfway through the show and we know so little about him, um, who he is, where he came from, his backstory. Um, I did notice though, I feel like not all the time, but most of the time when he puts his glasses on, that's kind of when he hits his transformation. Yeah. It's like when he becomes serious and like means business, um, you know, as, as t- to the extent that he does mean business, meaning he's still not going to kill anybody. He's not going to hurt anybody. Um, but he, he, it's almost like he acknowledges this, the seriousness of the situation once his glasses are on. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the turning point. So I thought that was interesting. I don't think it happens like that every single time he wears them, but m- the majority of the time. You know, he put them on when he was facing the Nebraska family. Because mm-hmm. you see that in the recap. Like, I think the doctor or whoever is, like, taunting him. And then you see Vash whip out his sunglasses. And then, like, a very drawn-out scene of him putting them on. Um, he wears them the entire time um, with the, the caravan episode where he's hired to capture the the boy. Um, the son or whatever, like, son, mm-hmm. the, the not-really-son. Um, when he's trying to escape with that that girl who was the dancer, I, I don't remember the episode name, but um, he wears them almost the entire time because pretty much that whole episode he's very serious up until the end when he reveals his his true plan. Yeah, to comment on that particular episode, I thought the plot of that was so confusing with the dancer girl was her name Moore, and then Julius, and then the whole human trafficking thing. But what I really liked about that episode is again. Vash and the moral ambiguity of that situation because you don't know how he's going to react at all um, and then you see him sh- it looks like he shot them both but then it's revealed like oh this was just all a ploy to help them escape Yeah. Um, so again, again you're just seeing all these different things and you don't know what to make of Vash whether he is truly a noble person or if you're just seeing the cold killer come out like slowly but surely yeah also, again, we're halfway through the series, and Vash still has not said Millie or Meryl's names, um, <laughs> which I find very interesting. And so, I again, it's been so long since I've, I've rewatched the series that there are actually a lot of things I don't remember. Um, they all flood back in, of course, when a certain episode comes in. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. This happened. But at this point, like, I can't really tell you how the second half plays out because I just I simply can't remember. So I'm excited that, that I'm rewatching this with you as your first watch because... It's almost like in, in certain ways I'm I'm also watching it for the first time until my, my memory starts to be jogged. Um, and so at this point, I feel like maybe, and this is purely speculation, but maybe Vash hasn't said their names because he doesn't want to acknowledge them as a part of his inner circle because he's trying to protect them. Like he doesn't want any emotional attachments. Yeah, because he knows anywhere he goes, he's he causes well not he, he indirectly causes trouble. Yeah. He he indirectly gets people hurt. 
Um, so again, this is just purely my, my thoughts or, or my speculations that maybe he's hesitant to really acknowledge them, um, even though they're with him against his will. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. forcing <laughs> themselves to, to follow him. Um, but uh, maybe it's just a, a way for him to kind of keep them at an arm's length in the hopes that maybe they won't get hurt. Or maybe he just doesn't remember them. Yeah, the he insurance girls. <laughs> constantly forgets them as a side effect of his amnesia. So Wolfwood. Nicholas D. Wolfwood. I will gladly admit that he is my favorite character in the show. I love him to death. I know back in the day there was a whole like fan base camp of like Wolfwood, you know, people and, and I I'm certainly one of them. I was back then, and I still am. He he's great. Um, I was excited for his his entry into the show, and I didn't want to tell you anything about him. I just dropped his name uh, when I think you and I first started watching, but I didn't mm. want to spoil anything for you. Um, but man, once he came back to the show, like I just my hype levels went so high. I was like, thank God we're here. I love Wolfwood. I want to see him. Um, so that w- that was great. I I'm glad that I still felt the same way about this character that I I did when I first watched it or, or back in the early days of rewatching it. Um, and what I really enjoy watching the show at this point with all the other types of of anime that that exist right now, what I really love is that Wolfwood and Vash um, are hesitant about each other at first, understandably, but they both very quickly understand that the the other has good intentions and very quickly develop this this friendship. I wouldn't call them best friends by any means, but they, um, I love that they're they're very accepting of each other. They play, play off of each other well, um, and that they respect each other very quickly because right now, like we're, we're in this age of, for example, My Hero Academia, and you've got the dynamic of Bakugo and Midoriya, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, Hawks and, uh, and Endeavor where these people or these characters start to slowly respect each other but they hate each other for most of the show and even now even though they they start they're starting to develop this respect they still hate each other on the surface anyway um so it's just nice and and very refreshing to just see two people who could very easily and almost did start off as rivals um realize very quickly that hey you know what you're not a bad guy and we can get along just fine and let's let's allow this friendship to to happen yeah, I just kept thinking of Adrian Brody every time I saw Wolfwood. Just they yeah. have very similar noses. Yeah, um, he's, the way he's drawn, his nose is a very unique nose in anime. Like you don't really see that type of you know very prominent nose mm-hmm. drawn in anime. And I remember, I think the first time I really paid attention to Wolfwood before I started watching Trigun was we were at an anime convention, and you had pointed out that there were these two Trigun figures. Um, and one of them was Vash, and the other one was Wolfwood, and I, it, I just thought it was so fascinating seeing him carry this cross with him, and I didn't really understand why, but then now watching the show, it's just so funny that the cross turns out to be, like, his storage of guns. <laughs> it's like, oh, I thought this guy was just a purely religious man, and then you see him whip out the, the canvas that he's wrapped the contraption in. And he just starts pulling out guns and starts shooting up the place. He's great. And then I totally forgot about those figures. And now that we're rewatching the show, I really want to get them. They are some gorgeous figures. We'll have to look up 
um, the name of the figures that we saw, and maybe in the next oh, episode we can. Oh, you did? I think the figures are like a hundred and eighty dollars. Oh my god! All right, well, I'll get the Wolfwood one first, and then maybe later down the road I'll get the Vash one. <laughs> I wanted to get the Vash one first. So. I, I, they're they're awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I they, those came out recently too, right? Well, I think those figures. It's the same ones that I saw at that convention, which I think I saw them like about two years ago. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty expensive figures, so I, I don't think there's like a high demand for it, which means they probably have enough stock for whoever still wants them. I hope there's stock. But that's interesting that the show came out and it premiered in 98. Um, and the fact that they made figures... Maybe it was like an anniversary set or something. But yeah, amazing figures. And we'll have to look up the exact name um, and we'll share that with you guys because they are absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Wolfwood. I, he's great. He's amazing. I hope now you understand why I'm I'm team Wolfwood all the way. Yeah, and again, I, don't, I haven't watched the show before, but I'm hoping we do see more of him in the future. Because yeah, like he and Vash play off of each other so well. Like I love their banter, especially in the quick draw episode which i think that's my favorite episode of the series so far um because you see wolfwood trying to use vash to his own advantage and then vash catches on to that and then he ends up (laughs) signing up wolfwood for for the contest um so it's just a a lot of one-upsmanship between the both of them and I, i love seeing that interaction um so yeah i'm don't spoil anything for me, but I, I hope we do see Wolfwood again in the future. I love Wolfwood. So I just looked up the uh, the the name, I guess, of the figures, because they are absolutely gorgeous. So it's by Artifacts J. Art, the letter F, the letter X, and then J. Um, and it's a set. Uh, so they're two separate ones, but I think they can be combined as like a, technically a set of uh, Wolfwood and Vasha Sampede. And it looks like, yeah, it's going about 100 to 180 bucks, depending on where you buy it from. And they look phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So if anyone is interested, look that up. Artifacts, J. Wolfwood and Vash figures. I think it's by Koto Bukia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Okay. But they also, they're the same company that did that Cowboy Bebop with Spike leaning against that wall oh that's another amazing figure yeah i think they have very high quality figures yeah well you get what you pay for and in this case you would get some amazing looking figures the soundtrack with the show let me just say is so good i forgot how good it was like again the opening is its own like phenomenal piece but then in the show you've got this i don't even know like a blend of like western and sometimes Mm -hmm. jazzy and then sometimes rock um soundtrack and it's just absolutely amazing i think my favorite song or the my favorite track so far is um that one where it's like the the guitar riff and then the flute comes in and it's just a very interesting mix of like this it's probably a bass guitar i mean you're you're a music person you probably know better than i do i think it's just a regular guitar i'd have to listen to it again though but that's a, a unique combo i think like this very low toned guitar just kind of strumming away and then this beautiful high pitch like very jazzy flute comes in i live for that that song every time that comes on it's usually for a more 
serious or somber scene. Um, when that kicks in, it's just like, ugh, it blows me away. That's a great, great song. And, and the whole soundtrack is just amazing. Yeah, the soundtrack in this is very good. Again, it, there's it's very country-inspired, and I was going to go into this a little bit later, but um, I just kept getting like Red Dead Redemption vibes yeah, with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, where again, like it's not a it's not a soundtrack that's like totally in your face, like it, not like in um, My Hero where you have like a full orchestra or band um, playing up all the action that you see, but it's it's subtle enough where it complements what's going on in the episode, um, and it's again it's not it's not fully jam packed, but it's it's still significant enough even if it's just two instruments playing. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right, because a lot of anime nowadays, the, the music is very intense. Like, as if the visuals aren't intense enough, they throw in this amazing song that's, like, so built out and just adds to, to the hype levels. But, yeah, I feel like every climax you get for every episode in Trigun um, is more about what's happening in the situation and it's complemented by the music versus the music pushing it up to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, other random bits that I just wrote down that I noticed in a lot of episodes is the Kuro Neko cameos. Yeah. Like, who the fuck is this? Who the fuck is this cat and why is it so relevant to the story? Or is it just like an Easter egg? That just pops up everywhere. I don't remember. I, I feel like it's an Easter egg, but there's all back in the day there was so much Kuroneko merchandise. Um, like more you you could probably find more Kuroneko merchandise at anime conventions than you probably could just regular merchandise for from Trigun. So I don't I don't really remember the significance of Kuroneko. It probably is just an Easter egg, but man, the fandom lived for that cat. And it was only from Trigun, right? Is it not in any other series? I don't know. I think oh. it's only Trigun, um, but I can't say for certain. Because, like, even the way it's animated does not fit in at all. But it's just, like, you you want to keep your eye open for when he does cameo in, in an episode. Um, I do like how Millie is just overly naive. I don't, I don't ever find it annoying. It's just... Like, she makes a weird comment, and it, it just fits the moment. Um, like, in the recap we watched, like, I think Meryl's just typing away furiously or talking to herself um, during her report, and Millie says something like, I like the way you talk her. <laughs> or you're like, you're fun to watch or something Oh, yeah, like you're fun to watch. It's, like, so stupid, but, I got, like, I'm thinking Millie is probably like my second favorite character. And you're right. She she's not annoying. Like she definitely has the potential to be annoying, but I think because she's so useful and she mm-hmm. she's she offers something other than just being like the the dumb funny comic relief character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what what keeps her from just being annoying and like why are you here? Like she's obviously very strong. Um yeah, good with her a, weapon. Yeah, the stun fucking gun. stun gun. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that she, she has something more to offer than just comic relief. Yeah. So I'm a team Millie. Sorry, Meryl. <laughs> um, some other things I was commenting on, I know this is probably going to be answered is like, who is Rem? Cause I think there's an early episode where Vash just says Rem. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> and then you see like, I think another episode later, um, like you see a flashback of this woman and you never see the front of her face 
I'm guessing this is a love interest, so look out, Meryl. <laughs> um, and then she also sings this weird song, something about is this a stone or pebble? <laughs> it doesn't even <laughs> rhyme. And it, that song annoys me. <laughs> and then I think it's, who was it, Kite that starts singing it? And then Vash is just triggered by that. Yeah. It's like, why couldn't they pick a better song? Because, <laughs> I lied, I did not. That song's annoying to me. <laughs> that's probably like the one annoying thing that I found about this show. But that's a minor gripe. Um, and I, get, I think this will also be addressed later on when he's facing off with Elizabeth, um, who's supposed to, the engineer who's working on that plant, and then oh, yeah. she just locks him in. Like, how did he fucking save the plant? <laughs> how did he get out of that room? It's like, did he use the force? Did the other guy get out? The the guy who's going to assassinate him? Oh, I forgot all about it. Did he... I, I'm sure Vashon let him die. I'm also like, okay, so what happened there? <laughs> yeah, but I remember it, there's just being some mystical thing going on in that episode. And, you like, it's never fully explained how Vash got out of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's... Because now, I, like, I've discovered that, like, Vash almost seems like half human, half, like, robot or something. And I don't know if that's going to play with it. Because, again, like, I see his... Like, in the Diablo episode, like, you see his left hand turn out to, like, pivot backwards. And it turns out to, that he's, it's, like, a rifle hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's going to play into, like, why... Vash was able to save that plant. Um, but yeah, that's all my random bits from, from part one of the series. I think the show is certainly not without its flaws. Um, yeah, there, there's some pieces in there that... And maybe it's just because of the way the dub was done. Maybe it's different in the sub um, or in the original. But there's some there's some things that happen in there. You're like, what the hell is happening? I'm very confused. Um, or just things that don't that go unanswered that I don't know if they'll ever be answered in the show. Um, there's some weird pacing sometimes and, and some weird pauses. Um, and again, the, the beginning was slow, but it's it's nothing that I think would turn me off to to the show. Um, and the the humor is very very campy. Like in watching mm. it now versus like back when I was a young weeblet, um, it's the, the the humor I think is is over the top it's campy on purpose um to to you know to the lending itself to the the plot um but it, it's it hasn't aged quite well so like bebop is a show that has aged beautifully and will mm. continue most likely to age beautifully trigun has aged well i guess well enough that it still is a really good show but not nearly as well as like a bebop or a samurai champloo or something like that um, and a lot of it is because of the campy humor. The campy humor and the not as high quality budget um, visuals, the way it's drawn sometimes is like really lacking. And I'm like, oof, something just clearly someone didn't have the money to, to spruce up this episode. So mm-hmm. I would say those two things. Um, yeah, I would say those two things are are, are different uh, to watch now as, as an adult. Yeah, and I think there will be, like, inevitable comparisons to Cowboy Bebop. Because, again, I'm pretty sure, like, these series both came out around the same time. And you were telling me, like, there there was a whole craze of um, who would win in a battle, like, Vash or Spike. Yeah, that was a huge thing. So, um, 
I think they they were probably airing at the same time on Adult Swim, Cowboy Bebop, and Trigun. And yeah, that was in the the Weeblet community because I was young back then. Um, we would just have these these debates like on forums and things or, or at conventions like who would win in a fight, Vash or Spike. And man, the fandoms were split straight down the middle, and like no one would budge. It was people felt very strongly on on who they thought was the stronger or the more skilled fighter that would be victorious in the end. I actually don't remember what what camp I sat in. Um, it's it's a tough one for me. Let me th- let me think on it because I do kind of want to comment on who I truly think would win mm. in a fight. But maybe it'll be for the next episode if I if I remember yeah, to, part to share that. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, right now I'm I'm still sitting on Team Spike, <laughs> but. I don't know, like, Vash kind of warms up to me a little more, but we'll see. I think on the offensive, Vash is better because he hits his mark 99.9% of the time, right? Not to Mm. say that Spike doesn't, but, like, that is Vash's thing, that he is that skilled with a gun. He is an ace gunman. That's, like, that's different than Spike, where we know he's talented, and we know he's, he's very good with a firearm, but that's not what defines his fighting. But then you have, on the defensive, Spike... No one can land a punch on the guy, right? No one can really hit him with a bullet because he's good at dodging it. Mm-hmm. At this point in the show for Trigon, it seems like Vash is still alive because of dumb luck. Even as as Meryl says it, it's it's just dumb luck um, that he doesn't intend to really dodge these things as well as he does. I mean, sometimes though, I'm pretty sure it's like, yeah, he's actually skilled, but he's playing it off like dumb luck. But to to what you said earlier, the the part where he's just kind of driving his way into the saloon but doesn't get hit by a single bullet, it's not intentional in that moment. But yet he's he still survives. So I think offensive spike maybe, um, or Vash may have the upper hand, but on the defensive side of things, um, Spike would certainly have the the upper hand. Yeah, the only thing that I think diminishes Vash is that he's an aloof guy. Like he's, he can be very incompetent at times. Whereas, like, I don't think Spike is that. Like, Spike is that much of a a dumbass. <laughs> um, but yeah, who knows? My feelings could change over time. Um, once I do wrap up Trigon and can do a proper comparison between the characters. Um, but like, like I was saying before, like, there's gonna be, like, even for me, there's a lot of comparisons with Cowboy Bebop and Trigon. But I think one thing that Trigun does have over Bebop is that this feels more like a, a fancy like space western. Whereas like Cowboy Bebop was also, I guess, categorized as a space western, right? But it was far more space than western. Right. Because um, I think the only extent that they really took with the western genre was the concept of bounty hunters and the crew of the Beobop hunting these bounties with like very little success. Um, but you can clearly see the Western influence um, in Trigun, which I appreciated their spin on things. Cause obviously like it takes place in a, I would say like a not too distant future. Um, but a lot of the settings and locales, like it's a mix of modern technology um, with that old timey feel. And like you had commented before, a lot of the music is obviously very inspired by country and, and bluegrass and other th- things that you typically see in spaghetti westerns. Like you have the train robbery 
um, with the whole sand steamer being taken over by the gang episode. And then you have like these duels at high noon, which I think it was the one with the, the mayor who was dubbed the Grim Reaper. And then you have Ingwe. I think I mentioned this before, like that felt so much like John Marston in Red Dead Redemption, like just dueling a random person. Um, and the guy even looks like John Marston. I feel like like Rockstar Games took a lot of inspiration from Trigun and trying to develop the character for that game. Um, but even at the same time it, that it feels like a space western, there's also a really post-apocalyptic feel to it, which reminded me a lot of like Borderlands or, or Mad Max. Um, so yeah, I think just the fact that they are taking a very interesting spin on the wild west um is really is really interesting because like i typically don't like wild west stuff but i think i might be like a closet wild west fan um because again I, like i love this show not just because of the story but just the aesthetic itself too and like i recently played red dead and that was just a fascinating game too well before we wrap up this halfway Trigun podcast episode. I want to, for my fellow early 2000s cosplay veterans, I want to take you back to 2003, which was my first year of cosplaying. Um, Still cosplaying, by the way. This is, what, my 18th year of cosplaying, so I'm still going strong, guys. Like, I'm I'm doing this. I'm going to keep cosplaying till Till I can't cosplay no mo. Well, I mean, all the conventions are being shut down right now. Anyway, oh yeah, so. that's tough. I mean, understandably so. All the cons this this first part of 2020 have been canceled due to coronavirus. Um, we still have a couple more we're looking forward to this year, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but in the meantime, I will reminisce about my early days of cosplay to hold me over. So, if you imagine it's 2003. It's my first convention. We're cosplaying as characters from Sailor Moon. I am Sailor Mars. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into because it's my first convention ever. And it's Anime Central and in Chicago for, for those who aren't familiar with it. And Trigun is huge at this time. Um, still, still huge anyway. And there are so many Vash the Stampede cosplayers. And what do you see when you see those Vash the Stampede cosplayers? It's them holding donuts because Vash donuts. Vash loves donuts. He loves to eat. And if you were nice enough to those cosplayers, they would give you some of their donuts. And then they would proceed to do that weird pose where they would lean backwards and like crank their knees forward and then look like they're shooting their guns um, and defy all laws of physics. And then you continue through the convention. And what do you see? Over the top of the crowd, passing over everyone's heads, is the top of Wolfwood's cross gun thing. And then you'd freak out and be like, oh my god, it's a Wolfwood! And you'd run over and you would jump on them and glomp them, as we used to say back then, and take lots of pictures because you're a fucking weeblet fangirl who fucking loves Wolfwood so, so much. Um, but yeah, that that's my, my first year of cosplaying ever. 18, 17, 18 years ago... Um, it was it was Trigun Mania back in the day. So this show holds a very special place in my heart 
and I'm very glad again to be rewatching it and that you get to enjoy it for the first time and I get to see your reaction as a for- first time viewer. Yeah, been missing out. Cuz this this show is it's it's a it's a fun one. It's a unique one. Um and it's one that again, may not have aged perfectly, but it has done very well over uh over the last several years. Yeah, I want to save on a rating for this show cuz yeah, we haven't watched it the whole way through. But I, I do have a lot of high hopes going into the second half. Um, and again, I, I just can't wait to see how Vash's story wraps up. Um, whether or not it, it's similar to how Spike's story ended up in Bebop, which hopefully it's not like as sad of an ending as that was. Um, but yeah, just looking forward to the journey. So that wraps up Strictly Anime Episode 9. Again, talking about Trigun Part 1. I want to thank all of you for listening in. And a special thank you to Super Nude Ensemble for the jingle that you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast. So we'll catch you guys next time with hopefully Trigun Part 2. And in this strange era of the coronavirus, as always, we hope that you stay safe, stay healthy, and stay Weeb. Wow. <laughs>